0: Welcome to Top Real Estate Secrets. I'm your host, Liz Boyce. I'm on a mission to show homeowners how to successfully sell their home on their own. I'm gonna give you the knowledge, the tools, and resources to save your family thousands of dollars. There's a new wave of tech real estate coming and it's gonna change everything. Now, if you get any value from my podcast, please like, share, and leave a comment. I wanna help as many people as I can, but I can't do that without your help. Thank you for your time and I hope you enjoy today's episode today we have howard uh, with home shape inspections a lot of people think that the inspections are going to be the roughest inspection but i will tell you this is the most important thing you can do is get the right inspector and i prefer home inspections i make sure that my home before i put it on the market is going to pass any inspection that goes on the market so please welcome howard
1: Thank you guys so much for having me here. Mm -hmm. Don't be too scared about home inspections. They are a standard process. Um, They are also optional. So don't be afraid to not use a home inspection, but it is strongly recommended that you don't avoid that. You want to get as much information about your house uh, that you're purchasing. Think of it this way. It's your largest investment and a home inspection is a very nominal fee uh, to get your information.
0: Thank you so much for coming. You're actually... Probably my most important guest, I feel like, because as you know, I rehab and flip homes and I always make sure that my homes are perfect before I put them on the market because I can't tell you how many times that you go under contract and you have that inspection period and someone like you comes and beats me up and, you know, the next thing you know, they're walking away from the contract. But if I make sure that everything is fixed beforehand, you have no problems.
1: Yeah. It's, it really comes down to what a home inspection is. And at the core of it is how much maintenance has been done to the home. Mm-hmm. What are the things that are lacking that need to be corrected? And we don't try to come in there and try to beat everything up on purpose. Mm-hmm. We just want to provide as much information about the home. And a lot of the things that we have, they're broken down in three categories. You have your maintenance category, which is something you can do yourself or a handyman can get involved and take care of the problem. You have a further evaluation category, which is something that is needing a, a licensed trade, for example, a plumber or electrician to repair. And then you have something that's considered safety. So when we're looking at a home, I'm looking at it the same way I look at my personal home. I'm making sure it's safe for my family. And that's what I wanna do for my customers. So. You want to check make sure there's no issues with the kids being able to get their head stuck in the railings we're looking for those safety issues that need to be corrected immediately
0: if you're going to list a home do you suggest a pre-inspection
1: yeah pre-inspections um they're not very common to be 100 transparent here i have had zero pre-listings and i've done mm. almost 640 inspections last year <laughs> i love the concept of a pre-listing inspection some markets they're very common um, but here in orlando not necessarily But it is a fantastic tool. Think of it this way. Um, When you go to sell your car, you take it to a mechanic and you want to make sure everything's good. Same thing when you're buying a car. You want to make sure the property is in good order and ready to sell. So think of it that way. A pre-listing inspection is a checkup. Let's you know, hey, these are some critical things you may need to fix. Because what we're going to be looking at is, hey, if you have a bad roof, that needs to be repaired. Because they're not going to be able to get a home and purchase it unless it's a cash offer. And they're going to be able to get insurance. They need to have that roof in the right spot so that way insurance will approve them and they can move forward with the transaction and close it.
0: A lot of people don't realize that I'm actually going through it right now. It's a 2006 roof. We're in 2022. Selling it is uh, hard right now. So one of the things that I'm making sure is that I have a roofer in place. And when we go to actually go under contract, we'll get a new roof and it'll all be done right before we sell the home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that's great with insurance is they'll work with you to actually say you're purchasing a home. You know it's got a 15-year-old roof. It's got maybe two years of life left on it. If they're not going to approve you for that, they'll say, okay, well, we'll give you temporary insurance while you go ahead and get the repairs done. And negotiating that in the contract with the seller's credit or repair being done by the seller is a fantastic way to get a brand new roof um but you know preemptively when you're selling a home you want to be ahead of that game you don't want to get to that point because you already know it's going to happen
0: i I completely agree i always try to find a solution before it even is a problem
1: yeah absolutely you want to try to find those and that's (laughs) what we do is we try to provide as many solutions to your problems uh, while you're researching this home
0: i do agree with that Um, so how do you feel about people selling their home on their own
1: I think it's a great choice. I think that you save a lot of money. You think about it this way. In real estate transactions, we have 6% usually is the split that the seller pays to the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. And then the buyer has their responsibilities of the appraisal and they have the responsibility of taking care of the inspection. There's a lot of money that's going out and you can save that and that can increase the amount, especially if you have a lot of equity in your home. That's more money in your pocket that you can use to purchase your next home or next property. And I think it's a fantastic option. There's a lot that you can learn. You can do it yourself. Um, I think with an agent, you get the benefits of an MLS, but I'm not sure. Can you use the MLS uh, if you're not an agent?
0: Yes, you actually can. And so in my program, I actually teach how you can get the same marketing as an agent and, uh, The same result. Oh wow! And so that's one of my things is I believe you know I know a lot of people are going to be mad at me, but I've just saved your mom and dad ten thousand dollars. So
1: yeah, it's ten thousand dollars in your pocket that goes to a rainy day fund that goes to a lot of things. So I think anywhere you can save money in real estate is essential. Knowing the value that comes with that savings.
0: So let's say that you are the seller and you're going to put your home on the market. What are the first? Let's just say. Four important things that you are going to check first to make sure that you pass the inspection with flying colors.
1: Um, The first thing I would check is obviously the roof. Roofs here in Florida, they are likely to get damaged in storms. We have hurricanes on a yearly basis. And that's the first and most critical because it's the most expensive item in your home. And it's the most important item on your home. It sheds water, makes sure that there's no moisture coming into the home. It protects your asset. The second thing I would check is my electrical. We have a lot of cases, especially if you have an older home, uh, where panels are outdated. We have a couple panels like Sylvania and FPE, which is Federal Pacific Electric.
0: Mm, Uh, The rainbow-colored ones.
1: Yes. If you look at your breakers, and the breakers are different colors uh instead of just running. no i'm just kidding yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you might want to get that panel updated that's an essential thing if you have any wiring issues those need to be addressed which right away which
0: is to go farther it's cloth wiring yeah. and it's in the old you know the old days and they can catch fire Uh, to redo a house cloth wiring can cost you anywhere between seven to nine thousand dollars so it's very important to find you know make sure that you catch that
1: those things you're you may not know that if you bought the home or you're living in it but you can hire an inspection company to come in and look at that real quick um we'll know that on a four point on a win you can actually see a lot of inspectors nowadays we do walk through consultations where we actually come visit you we look at your home and we let you know it's sort of like um, like if you get got an annual checkup, mm. you know, we check your home, make sure there's any problems with that. Third thing that I think that would be really essential would be checking to make sure that your plumbing is in good order. Uh, polybutylene piping is a great piping that is now starting to affect insurance. Mm-hmm. So you want to get that addressed most days, um, with new homes and everything that's being fixed right now, it's either copper or it's going to be a PEX or a PVC piping. That's pretty standard what we're seeing. And then the last thing is your HVAC. You want to make sure you have air conditioning. Um, get the heating done. One thing I would recommend that's probably the easiest fix you can do to make sure your HVAC in good order is just hire an HVAC specialist to come in do a checkup. Mm-hmm. Get a copy of that invoice and put that invoice in front of the seller. Uh, sorry, in front of the buyer, so that way they know it. And then the same thing. Any improvements you make on the property, you want to keep good records of it. You want to make sure you have permits in place. Uh, those permits, your inspector is going to look at that. And they're going to put those on their four points and win mitts. Mm. Um, That information is essential, but it'll help you sell the house faster. Because now you're saying, look, I have a house, regardless of what age it is, let's say it's 20 years old. Mm. We just updated everything. Most appliances in your home have a certain lifespan. The one appliance that gets neglected the most is the water heater. Oh. Yeah. I and-
0: <laughs> have a really old water heater from
1: 1996. Yeah. So they usually <laughs> last like 10 or 15 years. I- but
0: it works great it's yeah, 2022 it it's literally been there forever <laughs> but i know i'm gonna have to get one you know eventually yeah
1: but that's a that's a 500 <laughs> fix and exactly. if you have a plumber come in it's going to be 300 to install and remove the other one so you're maybe 800 to about 1200 dollars, depending on the plumber and what their pricing is so it just really depends um you want to make sure you're looking at the critical systems first Because those are the biggest items that get knocked out on the home inspection report. We're not really concerned about a hole in the drywall because that can be easily fixed. Most sellers are looking at the big ticket items that are going to cost them a significant amount of money. And when you look at it, anything over $500 is considered significant in a lot of cases.
0: I do agree. One thing I love about your company is that you actually give estimates. Mm -hmm. on your, you know, inspection. A lot of people don't even do that.
1: I come from a project management background. So like I worked in construction for 10 years. I know the cost of things. I know the cost of contractors. And a lot of it is um, with home inspections, you gotta be very savvy to where the market rate is for certain trades and understanding, okay, this is a good estimate you can give right away. And a part of that is just making it easier for the buyer to understand, hey, here's the severity of the issue versus them going off the deep end with it and one of those things is like when we have a drywall hole that's a Mm. very easy fix you can buy a sheet of drywall eight bucks small you know little two by two section and then you know some drywall mud maybe 10 bucks invested in there and you can fix the problem for less than 50 dollars and some time or you can hire a contractor and maybe a hundred dollars to fix the problem but It's one of those things where you got to bring that buyer back in and say, Hey, look, we, this is not a big issue that you're making it out to be. Um, here's what you should be really focusing on Mm -hmm. versus this. So knowing that information, providing those solutions, really knowing, having good relationships with contractors. That's one thing I really leaned on when I was a very early inspector was I reached out to every contractor I knew, asked questions about things that I had questions on that I didn't fully understand because they were more of a subject expert than I was. And then I use that information, garnered that knowledge, and I pass that along to my clients.
0: Do a lot of inspectors come back the second time for a reinspection?
1: Yeah, I got a reinspection to do today. <laughs> so um, reinspections—they're good. One of the things you want to do with a reinspection is you're verifying that the seller had fixed everything that they promised to do, and it's usually just a bullet point list of everything that needs to be checked over again. And it doesn't take as long as the initial inspection because we already found all the major issues. We're coming back to double-check, make sure those things are fixed. If they're not, okay, we just report back to the buyer and say, hey, look, it just needs to be a little bit more time to fix it.
0: And so tell me the difference between what's a certified inspector versus a licensed inspector.
1: So certain states here in the United States have licensing requirements. Florida is one of those, um, but places like Georgia, for example, don't need a license. You mm-hmm. can get your national exam, which is a it's good for the entire United States. And that's usually the base requirement for most inspectors, but for the state of Florida, we have a specialized test we have to do here. And in order to keep our license, we got to hold um, our continuing education. It's very much like real estate and a realtor uh, being in that role. We just hold that license. So certifications on the other hand, those are usually um, specialized avenues that a home inspector can specialize in. in that like, for example, women's and four points, that's a certification. You have to hold that certification on a yearly basis. Mm. Um, mold inspections are a certification. Radon, all these other services that most home inspectors offer, these are certifications that they have obtained. And they're usually presented either through um, three different organizations. So for example, I'm part of FABI, ASHI, and Irenachi. These are the big three here in Florida. Uh, InterNACHI and Ashi are national organizations, so they cover everyone, but um, you can go to each organization, take your specialized training. It's good for your continuing education, and it just says, hey, I'm certified. I know what I'm talking about, Um, but there is, once you have that certification, most certifications will have a renewal, and it's really up to the inspector to continue studying so it just means you did the coursework in a lot mm-hmm. of cases but really the biggest thing is experience that comes with it and having the right people you know um that can do it so for example like my wdos i have a wdo certification
0: which is wood, which is showing
1: organisms termites mm-hmm. carpenter ants those kind of insects i have the certification so i know when i'm looking at an inspection i'm looking for that but i don't always recommend a wdo unless it's a va loan or certain which circumstances yes Where it's required, but in the case when I have to do a WDO, I actually have a pest control guy do it Mm. because they have the license for pest. Got it. And so in the state of Florida, they have to keep it in their lane and I got to keep it in my lane. But if I did inspection, I see the WDO, then I got to go ahead and say, hey, we need to do a WDO inspection. Here's my inspector.
0: Mm. Do me a favor and touch on what is a wind mitigation and who needs it and what exactly
1: is a four point? So it, it can be any homeowner in that in in that answer
0: even if it's before 2000 and uh you said three Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i mean
0: because it's gonna give you such a well
1: it's like i said it's it's the six opportunities so even though your house may not qualify say it's built in 1980 my house is built in 1980 Mm -hmm. it's just one question it doesn't hurt me what's more important is the other aspects because like do i have a brand new roof do i have tie downs that are proper um do i have i made upgrades to make it hurricane impact rated? those are going to help you know versus is the geometry of my roof important too you know do you have a hip roof or do you have a regular roof if you have a hip roof it's a it's a better option so it leads to you having more credits mm. back on your uh your policy
0: and explain what is exactly a hip roof
1: triangle okay pyramid. got it so you have two roofs like a gable's like this and then a pyramid is a hip so it's all four sides okay and then when we look at it
0: all i know is it's a flat roof and it's too expensive <laughs> um, no, flat roofs. Are, flat
1: roofs are okay, but it's like in, on the on the document, they're not really looking at the uh, flat roofs. That's more so of like like if I was For looking at multifamily. Yeah. If you have a flat roof, you can build a new roof over top of it. We're going to see it in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> all right and we might flag it as saying hey you know there's a brand new roof built on this roof i've seen that before where it's just like and it's done so poorly every time i see it
0: <laughs> with no permits no i'm just kidding mm-hmm. no exactly yeah. exactly I know. none
1: done at all and it just it really irks me because it's like you yeah, know, yeah you have the new roof but like your tie downs are not correct they're not confirmed now because when they're looking at the construction on that that block there's these tie down straps, they embed in the block and they have to be really close. They can't be more than, I think it's a couple of inches, uh, how far that strap can be away from it, from the truss. If it's not over that, then it goes to clip. It goes instead of a single wrap. So like the best thing that they can get is like a double wrap or single wrap. Those are usually the best, but out of all these inspections I've done this year, I have not seen a double wrap yet. Mm. It's just not common, it's very expensive. So um, and it's we're also in Central Florida, it's not Miami. Miami mm-hmm. that's like every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. So mm-hmm. um, what makes a good inspector?
1: Oh geez, we're <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know it's really hard, oh but I've gosh, seen no, I was- so many bad ones, <laughs> you know, and that's honestly why I work with you because I know your construction background. Yeah. Remember the first time I met you, I was like, Oh, I have my inspector, I don't need it, but then You did such a good job and I knew that you knew what you were doing. And so I switched immediately over to you.
1: Um, I think the thing is, is like this generation of inspectors, we have, we have a lot of inspect. When you think of the standard inspector, they're in their fifties. Um, they're usually a white male and, um, (laughs) they're retired. You know, this is their, their second thing. Now they had a background probably in construction or in the trades and there's nothing wrong with that. But the new generation of inspectors are coming in are younger folks like myself Um, early twenties, early thirties, even I had a guy as young as 18 looking to get into this and, um, the is that inspectors are starting to realize that, um, it's not a turn and burn situation where I come do the inspection. Don't call me. That has been the norm forever. When I came in this industry, I knew that was the problem right away. Customer service was lacking and customer service is going to set you apart. And a lot of it is if you treat your clients like your family members or your friends, In the sense that you're going to take care of them no matter what, that's going to set you you apart immensely. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I came in and I was like, okay, I'm going to do more than what's the standard. And we're seeing a lot of inspectors starting to get into social media, starting to get into more explaining to their customers and just trying to share the general knowledge. Because a lot of what we know is very technical um, and it's very hard to break it down into a more common term or easier to understand uh, way of, or approach. So I think that if, as long as you're a good inspector in the sense that you can be, everybody's is on the same level when we start. Um, once you get more inspections under your belt, then you become more vetted in what you're doing. And taking the time to actually put more money into training is very essential. So like for our core values, we have two that are at our top. And that is excellence in everything we do, we're not going to do it without a smile, and mm-hmm. the other thing is education. Education is so important to me because I like to be an educator, and I want my inspectors to be educators as well. And so it, I think it's a very essential part of making that experience a good experience for homes.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great answer, and that's kind of hopefully a standard in all businesses, but it's really not. You know, no,
1: it's it's n- not. It's, it's never that case. <laughs> and there's there's and so there's there's inspectors that are phenomenally amazing at their knowledge. They, they provide so much to our community and our industry. And then there's inspectors that are just absolutely terrible. I, and that's the thing is you can look at inspection reports. My biggest recommendation before you hire any inspector is look at the sample report first, ask for them. If they're not updated or if they're not to the uh, snuff that you want, then um, you need to go probably pick another inspector because um there is a difference it, once you start shopping around asking for sample mm. reports you'll see the difference you know a written report versus a digital report that's why we went digital
0: mm. what are some of the questions that you can ask the inspector to make sure that it's a good inspector
1: yeah you, first is you can always look at their certifications a lot of their websites will have all their information a little bio about themselves they kind of provide as much as they can um right there on the forefront but the real question i would ask is um look at the reviews first. I always say, look at reviews. Look how recent the reviews are. If they've been in business for 15 years and they haven't had a review Mm. in six months, something's going on. Mm. They're not having, they're not working with their customers as much as we do. Um, in my case, my customers are usually leaving reviews monthly. So this month here in January, we already have reviews and it's one of those things where, you know, that's an important part. second thing I would ask is how many inspections did you do uh, last year, if I am, you know, in business for 10 years and every year I did a hundred inspections, well, that's only means I did a thousand. Mm. There's other inspectors that do hundreds of inspections a year, 500 inspections. So it's good to ask them, Hey, what was your metrics? Cause we love talking about our metrics. We love saying how, Hey, we did this much last year. <laughs> uh, any inspector's proud of that. And it's essential to find out, okay, how much work are you guys doing? How vetted and seasoned are you as an inspector? Uh, Certifications are a great way to look at their information as well. You can check their license online, uh, make sure their license is still active. That's the probably most important thing if it's a licensed state. And then really it's just, you know, word of mouth. Word of mouth is a very essential part of that. And that's how we get a lot of our business. I would put word of mouth at the very top of my referral rate.
0: And do you ask them how long they've been in business? Is that very important or?
1: Um, no, I don't think it is. Cause there's some Cause inspectors, the background. I think at the background, yeah. it makes a huge difference. So like when I came in this industry, I had the background that it's kind of set me up already. I knew what I was talking about. I knew everything I was going into, but a lot of inspectors uh, come from a varied background. It may be, they came from accounting and those inspectors, they do really well too, because they are more uh, aware that, hey, this is totally a total change in my industry and total change in what I'm trying to do. And for inspectors, we always have that in the back of our head, we're always worried about liability. Mm. You know, if we misreport something, we can get sued. If we Mm -hmm. do something that's above the scope of work that is not approved or we fall through a roof, we are liable for that. So inspectors are very cautious in a lot of cases. But The bad inspectors, they're going to probably be the cheapest inspectors, in my opinion, because when you look at pricing, if I see an inspection company that's giving out inspections and they're saying, hey, we're going to do a WinMit four point, we're going to do your home inspection, we'll do a WDO, and we'll do your mold all for 500 bucks. They have no clue what the price is. They have no Mm -hmm. clue. They're new. And um, there's no feasible way of doing it for that kind of price um, for the amount of time that's involved for those inspections.
0: Cheaper is not always better no i learned that in flipping homes
1: so it's it's one of those things where it's like we put a lot of value adds with our customers so in our case we make sure that they know hey we bundle our pricing to save you more we want to entice you to come work with us um but also you know our pricing is not the cheapest either we are mm-hmm. at above market rate in a lot of cases because we know we're that good the product is that good and It's not a problem when you look at the price of an inspection. They usually run anywhere from $300 on the low end, $500 on the high end. And there's a lot of factors that are in place for just a typical home inspection. The size of the home, the age of the home, the condition of the home, and location. Location can make a huge difference too. Uh, We charge a traveling fee from outside of Orlando. If we start going to Southside Mm -hmm. Kissimmee or anywhere that's over a 50-mile range, we have to charge more. Right. Uh, because it's not in our backyard.
0: I Don't blame you. And how long typically does an inspection take?
1: A good inspector is going to be three to four hours. I'm, I'm very, you need to ask that question. How long is the inspection going to take? If they say an hour or they say an hour and a half, mm-hmm. your second question would be how many inspectors are you bringing? Mm. If you're bringing five inspectors, oh, you'll be done in an hour and a half <laughs> right. because each one can go do a different thing. If you have one inspector saying I'll be done in an hour and a half, that should be a big red flag. There is no way you can look at an entirety of a home that quickly because there's so many different things that need to be reported on. So many bedrooms that need to be checked, so many different systems that need to be checked for me crawling through an attic an attic takes at least 20 to 25 minutes to go through. (laughs) Right. It does not happen quickly.
0: And I always ask if they have a drone Yeah. because that's important to me. I want to see that top of the roof and, you know, just a picture of it. Yeah. Cause you can definitely see different things.
1: I love using the drone. I have three DJI drones mm-hmm. and, um, it's just one of the things where it makes it easy for me for time and safety. Safety is the most important thing. Cause there's sometimes you get on roofs and the pitch of the roof is too high to actually walk on. And so in that case, you need to have a drone or some way to look at that roof. And a lot of times back in the day before drones came around, they would use poles and put a camera up on top and shoot it from a camera down looking at the roof. And they still do that now. Some inspectors do, but the drone is much more safer. You get a certification for that with the state and then you're ready to fly. And I like it because they make my job easier. I can actually see closer with my drone on the camera lens uh, than I could standing up. I'm six feet tall. The drone can see as close as three feet. So um, in a lot of cases, a drone is a fantastic tool mm. but i always still like to walk by roofs I, I it's one of those things where you can see a lot more walking and you can tell if you're walking on the roof if there's any imbalance in and the shingles sheathing's going bad right
0: i feel that softness yeah. underneath yeah
1: uh,
0: do you offer any additional services such as radon testing term or we went over the termite
1: but uh mold yep so we do we do mold we do uh termite inspections radon here in florida is not a big thing as it is up north in the Northeast and other areas of the country. Uh, But radon is a indivisible odorless gas. The EPA is here in Florida talking about it. Um, My recommendation is always try to get a radon kit. Now, I I don't do radon testing. I don't have all the major equipment, but I do have the radon test. Mm -hmm. Because if a customer comes to me and says, hey, Howard, I need a radon test, I want a WDO, I want a mold inspection, I want my WinMIT four point, and I want a home inspection. I want to be able to serve. Mm-hmm. Everything. So
0: let's talk about a pool because I always hire a separate pool inspector. You know, pool. I know what you do and then I like for them to dive in there to see what's going on.
1: Yeah. Pool inspections can be, it, it's one of those things is time, you know, so we add it as an add on service and it's like to certain degrees. So for example, when we look at standards of practice, pools are not included on home inspections. Mm-mm. They're no, nope. they're a separate item because it's not attached to the house and um we're not responsible for that there could be a plumbing leak there now we do, do those pool inspections but if you want me to get in there and dive with the tank and scuba gear <laughs> i'm gonna have to charge you for, for my rental
0: i tell everyone when there's a pool involved i have two separate inspectors mm-hmm. and we will be getting both because i can't tell you how many leaks that i found yeah in pools you know you just that's twenty five hundred dollars that i just saved my cellar yeah. mean, my buyer.
1: Now uh, pools pools can be very expensive. Pump systems can be very expensive. Electrical for that pool, it's all separate. Now those the electrical is inspected and the plumbing visually is inspected. Right. But in yeah, a lot of cases, easy. we're not we're not running the pool. We're not making sure the jacuzzi heats up. We don't have time for that in right. terms of a three to four hour uh, time frame. So uh, we usually do it as a separate inspection, and it should be. You can bundle it if you want to use a separate inspector. Um, you need to find out like really how specialized their scope is. Uh, and how in depth they're doing. If you got somebody that's diving in a pool, obviously it's gonna be more expensive because they're jumping in that pool. Right. Versus somebody visually looking at it, it may be more affordable. But I think it's a good investment in that case. But um, you know, WDO termite inspections, those are very essential. I, I really strongly feel like in case here in Florida, you do need to have a WDO done, regardless if you think there is or mm-hmm. not. There's so many times where I've walked in and I have to tell the client, hey, you need a WDO because it's up in the ass or it's in these places that you're not looking
0: and welcome to florida
1: yeah it's, well, it's for it's, it's we have right. we have those termites here and then also we have carpenter ants oh, man. i had carpenter ants in my house when i bought it mm. so it's a big mess it takes a lot of work to get that fixed and then um you know for mold mold is really essential here in florida too because we have so much moisture in here 80 percent relative humidity year-round so if you have entry points for moisture and mold developing that needs to be corrected right away and it's very easy. If you smell something that's mildew, or you're having allergy issues, or you feel mold sickness, there's a lot of symptoms for that. Get it checked. It's better to know and check because once you get past a certain point with that mold, um, it's based on how how much it spreads and how harmful it is. Get it tested first. That's the safest, easiest, and cost-effective way to do it. You can clean it yourself. You can. There's over-the-counter. Uh, not like medicine, but over-the-counter mold stuff you can get from Amazon to treat it yourself. And if it comes back, then it's a recurring problem. Once you go past that step, let's say there's moisture, it's getting up in the attic and it's causing a mold problem there, remediation and accessioning has to get involved. Those are two Mm. separate companies that you have to hire by state statute. They can't be the same one because it's conflict of interest. Mm. Accessioning company has to come in, direct the remediation company, how to address the problem. And then everything's ripped out. Then you got to go hire a contractor to come fix it. Right. So they just do their job and they leave.
0: Can't get expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you find something that is wrong and you give them an estimate, what is the best way for a seller to find someone to repair it?
1: The best way to find somebody to repair that would be probably going straight. If you don't know anybody, go to Google If you have friends and family and other folks that have had repairs or other homeowners or even your neighbors, go talk to your neighbors, um, you know, and ask, you know, you'd be surprised how many people will know somebody that's a good plumber or a good electrician and they'll give you a referral. Run those referrals first. When you're hiring a contractor, you want to interview that contractor. You want to take the time, really get to know them um, and not just say, hey, what's your price? That's If you're shopping on price alone that shouldn't be the way to shop You need to look at what their previous work was you can say hey can you send me a portfolio work can you send me referrals of their past customers i am always willing to give you hey here's the last 10 customers i serve go ask them or go read their reviews because they'll talk to you they'll tell you how great i am i'm not worried about that i have the confidence in that and contractors that are really proud and tradesmen that are really good at their job they know that they're going to give that information um, make sure they have a license in a lot of cases so like license trades like electrical and plumbing you want to check that license. <laughs> yeah and insurance insurance is important too um, if anybody is hesitant to give you their license number or hesitant to give you your insurance documentation <laughs> that's a big red flag cheaper
0: is not always better yeah. talking from experience yes
1: yeah. um there's a lot of things too like you want to make sure if you're having something done in your house if it requires a permit you get the permit I can't tell you how many times I do four points in wind mitigations for insurance and there's no permit. For example, I did an appointment this morning, no permit. The last permit was from 1988 when the house was built. And
0: what would a homeowner do at that moment?
1: If you have copies of those invoices, you can use that to supplement it in a lot of cases for approving the insurance. But once there's no permit, like insurance looks at that as saying, hey, it's the same age as the there. house. We don't care. You put it on yesterday. Same age until we get a permit. And the reason why permits are essential is because the city or the county, whichever has jurisdiction over that property, is going to come out there and they're going to inspect it and certify that the work is done to their standards. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between that. I get confused all the time where people are coming to me for permit questions and I'm like, I'm a home inspector. They have their own inspectors for that and a lot of cases there's cases with new construction for example where the city or the county will come in and say okay everything looks good didn't even bother to look up in the attic see that there was no insulation mm. or they look at a pre drywall and they just they don't have enough time in a lot of cases because they have so many appointments they have to run in a day and they're go 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 And in that case, it's it's one person looking at it's very easy for somebody to miss something. And unless you have that lens and you're actually looking for that, which is our job to look for problems, um, it's very easily missed.
0: Tell me more about a web mitigation and a four point and who
1: needs it? Anybody that's buying insurance, um, you're going to need that for sure. And women's and four points, they are two separate inspections completely, but they're both documents that are required by the underwriter to develop a policy. And the wind mitigation in a lot of cases used to be optional, but here in Florida, we're starting to see more and more insurance companies saying, hey, we want this sooner. Used to be, you would wait 30 years, once you your house, they wanna just check in and make sure it's being maintained with a four point. Now it's as early as five and three years that we're seeing with some insurance carriers They're asking for that. So when you buy a new home, let's say it's brand new construction, you don't need those policies. You don't need the, sorry, you don't need those inspections. Your policies are written because the house is brand new. Everybody knows it's brand new. Shouldn't have any problems. Once it gets about five years old, they'll say, okay, we need a four point and go ahead and do a winmit because the windmit's gonna save you money long-term on the policy. And what that's looking at is it's only focusing on the roof. Whereas the four point is focusing on four different systems on the home. We're checking the electrical system, We're checking HVAC system, plumbing, and the roof. All those are going to be looked at, and we're just saying, okay, hey, there's no leaks. There's no problems with the ceilings. There's no problems with the home. The house is in good order. The appliances are still working, which are these major critical systems, and that should be good. It's very non-invasive, and in fact, it's not to be used in lieu of a home inspection because it's a black and white question and mm-hmm. they're just asking age. They're not asking if the appliance is fully working or if there's problems with the filter being dirty. No, they're not. They're only looking for major and if it's
0: satisfactory.
1: Yeah. If it's satisfactory, that's all it is it is yes or no. And it's not enough of an inspection. So in a lot of cases, you know, I've, I've been in homes where, you know, there's other problems in the home but I don't bother mentioning it because I'm only there for that inspection. I'm not there for a full home inspection. But I will let the client know and say, "Hey, look, did you see this too? Because mm-hmm. I saw it real quick and I just want to mm-hmm. let you know, hey, you might want to fix it." But uh the wind mitigation itself is also another report that is more so it could save you money. That is more beneficial. The 4 point is just necessary to get the policy started. Windmit helps you. So you have six opportunities there to sit down with the insurance and basically tell them, Hey, my house is in good working order. And with the roof, we'll start with the very first one. And it's the age of the roof. So after 2002 hurricane Andrew, wind mitigations became very standard here in the industry and that 2002 and beyond to 2022, 2023, if your house is built, then you qualify and it doesn't hurt you if you don't let's say my house is from 1985. So, It's all right. It's just a no for me on that category. It doesn't hurt me, but it doesn't save me any money. Mm. The second thing we're going to look at is the age of the roof. Make sure that there's a permit. Please make sure you have permits. Please. (laughs) If you don't have permits, (laughs) you need to have them. I'm like,
0: who put the roof on when there's no permit? It's one of those things too,
1: where if you, let's say you have a situation where you don't have a permit and you don't have any invoices. Well, you can hire a roofing contractor to come out and certify the roof Mm. and give it a certification saying, Hey, it's watertight for X number of years. In a lot of cases, when we have that, we use that as well. The wind mitigation set up in a lot of cases for us to say how much life is left on the roof, certify it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So same thing for point as well. Um, and that's why they use both documents together. And then the next thing we'll look at is okay, the geometry of the roof. So in a lot of cases, you have either a gable roof, which is like this, or you have a pyramid, which is a hip roof. Mm-hmm. And a hip roof is four different sides of the home. That's attached to the home. And in that case, you have a lot more load bearing. You can take care of a lot more wind resistance too. In that case, um, if in, in the event that there's a hurricane or anything like that, it's not going to blow off right away. And if you notice here in Florida, a lot of the homes that are on the coast are all hip roofs or mm-hmm. flat roofs. Um, and that is because it just it works really well versus a mm. gable. It has that inside, it can get uplifted on one side and just blow right through and rip mm. off the entire roof. Um, but aside from that, the gable roof really depends on, um, if you have a gable feature on like a hip roof, cause we see it in new construction. We see it on a lot of homes as long as that's less than 10%, it still qualifies as a full hip roof. We just look at the full perimeter and we get a linear foot count and then we go from there. Um, so it's yes, no, doesn't hurt you. Doesn't help you in that case. If it, if you don't have it we go right into the last thing, which is how it's tied down. So we go up in the attic, we actually go and measure out all the nails. We make sure it's either nails or staples or how it's attached in terms of the plywood sheathing and how far it's ran down. So they have to extend, those nails have to extend at least an inch and a half. And then they have to be, at the very best option would be within six inches of each other. Sometimes they're six to 12. Um, But if you had staples, for example, which is like on older homes, it doesn't qualify as much. Mm. So it still meets, there's three categories in that one. There's not no wrong answer in that, but the best is to have nails within six inches, really good depth. They're really, you know, the sheathing is really thick. Uh, everything's secure. It just means that your shingles are attached really well. And then once we're doing that, we're going right into how's the roof attached to the home. So we're looking at the clips, we're looking for, if it's just a toenail, which is really old homes, these issues are a really big That's nail. Yeah. And then um, we look for wraps and single wraps um, and double wraps are probably the best. In Miami, you'll see a lot more single wraps and double wrap situations, uh, which is where the tie downs that come out from under. So you have your wall for your, we'll just say that you have a wall here, and then you have the roof tie down. That tie down is embedded into the wall and then strapped over top of the truss or attached to the truss to keep the truss attached to the home. How that's done is just really determines how well of any incentive you get back on your insurance. And then lastly, you look at all windows and doors. So in a lot of cases, I've done homes where you have impact-rated windows on the listing, but they forgot to replace two windows, mm-hmm. or they forgot to replace a door or a window, or they didn't upgrade the garage. In a lot of cases, what they're looking at for that is it's all or nothing. So if you had all impact-rated windows, everything's missile impact-rated, cool. You get the full certification. If you don't, you get like a sum, which is like eh, half and half. And then a lot of cases, what we see is like older homes, like anything that's like 1980s, 1990s. Um, my house, for example, I have contractor grade windows from when it was originally built. Those don't qualify. So they're not impact rated, but here in central Florida, it's not necessary in Miami, especially necessary
0: Right down there with the hurricanes.
1: Mm Hmm. But yeah, it's very, both, both forms are necessary for your insurance, but they should not be replacing a home inspection. We've had a lot of customers doing that. I always
0: tell them to go ahead and get that. You'll need that for saving on your insurance.
1: Oh yeah. I can't tell you how many times I go to an inspection. They're like, oh, we just want the wind mitigation. I'm like, well, you're going to call me back for the four point. (laughs) And I know this just from experience. So I I take photos of everything because I know they're going to call me back. I'm going to go write their four point for them and post date it because I already took the photos.
0: (laughs) That's great. It's a lot of information. I feel like I will have to break down some stuff for people. It might be overwhelming, like, cause they don't, you know, but you gave a lot, which is good because people mm-hmm. need that, which I appreciate. Yeah,
1: you Give, give more than you receive always. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I try not to complicate things. Cause you know, you don't know if you're talking to somebody's grandmother or, or right. you're talking to somebody who's younger, that phone does not give you a face.
0: Right. I feel like, um, the part, the inspection part I'll have to really like focus on cuz you gave a lot of information mm-hmm. and if you like, have
1: questions just hit me up
0: thank you howard for you know being here today i know that that was a lot of information but you need this information to buy your home to sell your home the inspector is one of the most important people that you need in order to sell or buy and so I really appreciate you coming out and sharing all of your information. I wish I had all of your knowledge, but that's why I have you on speed dial. <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh, until next time, let's build wealth through real estate. We hope that we inspired you to listen to our podcast. We're going to go over things like communication with buyers, what contracts are out there that you can actually accept, how to hit the market correctly with getting you the best exposure with the most money, and most importantly, how to save commission without using an agent. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.